This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. that I just found um, online, and it is written by an anonymous uh, fraternity priest. I, once again, I suspect that I know who it is, but it, it, it doesn't matter what I speculate about. It just matters what the words are on the page. So without further ado, I'm going to read the words on the page. This is On the Importance of the Human Face, Part 2. Part 2. Can you hear me better now? Volume too low. Hey, thank you for the note for the uh, for the live watchers. Okay, is there a channel of nonverbal communication as powerful as is the human face? No sound, no sound. Volume very quiet. Oh, that's not good. I don't like to hear that. It appears as though there's sound. I said that I would like for it to have sound. Some people have no audio. This is oh no. I, oh, they're saying it's better. Okay, great. You know, a little known secret about live streaming, there is about a 25 second delay between reality and what you see in here. And then when you uh, give feedback to me, uh, so that is embarrassing. But what I was just saying is that, um, I found this reflection tonight. I wanted to share it with you. I think I know who wrote it. I'm not quite sure. It doesn't matter who I think wrote it. What I need to do now is just read you the words on the page. Okay, so let's do that. On the importance of the human face, part two. Is there a channel of nonverbal communication as powerful as the human face? We encode messages in our own facial expressions and we simultaneously decode the faces of the people around us. In even the most simple interaction, our attention naturally gravitates to the face seeking to read some of the vital information we know is written there. We constantly monitor the face because it provides vital clues to an impressive variety of possibilities. Attraction, whether a person likes or dislikes us, 
the complexity of emotions, identity, age, humor, and a person's regional and even national background. And given that most young people find it very hard to imagine living in a time before instant communication, some of my musings probably account for very little in their minds. An advocate for instant communication could bring up all kinds of things in support of it, i.e., that we can telecommunicate for work, thus saving time and money and achieving a better life, uh, life balance, that we can communicate with ease, with speed, with friends and customers throughout the world. But what's the problem, they might ask, given these benefits? It's that we are a social species. God designed us for face-to-face communication. Immediately after birth, the eyesight of babies at first are designed to see mom. God made us such that we read facial expressions and body language in a near subconscious level. Laughing together, smiling at one another, shaking hands, sharing a meal, singing together... Things happen to us on a very primal level that cannot be replaced by electronic communication. And think about the cues we take from the senses. Not just sight and sound, but feel, taste, touch. What happens when we interact face-to-face? Even the phrase face-to-face is filled with meaning. And the interesting research that has been done on smell, which produces information for us on a subconscious or chemical level, points to the insufficiently of electronic communication. But when we are directly in front of someone, at two feet, which is our normal social distance, (laughs) we are able to make eye contact, able to smile or frown and receive cues from the other's facial expressions, connect with a good handshake, I mean one that is firm, able to listen at a far deeper level and see if the other is listening to us, gather information, and get better feedback as to the other's honesty. Even if you are very adept at written communications, the need to schedule face-to-face meetings is essential in many aspects of daily life. If the only contact we have with someone, or the only contact in which we are willing to engage, is electronic, then we send a message that whether we intend this or not, the recipient is not very important. Emails can be cold and distant, which is why it is far easier to deliver bad news via email. It is easier to say no over the wires. I just want to interject here. I'm not going to do this too many times, and at least I'm not planning to. But I can tell you that delivering bad news in person is a difficult thing, and most people have a very strong aversion to it. I can tell you stories about when you have to give formal written counselings, in-person counselings in the Marine Corps, when you're a platoon commander or company commander, and you have to pull in some, some, some young patriot who signed up to serve his country who's just not cutting mustard. And you have to look him eyeball to eyeball. We used to say kneecap to kneecap. That's one way of saying face to face. And you would say, hey, stud, you're not cutting the mustard. You're not meeting the standard. This is why I'm ranking you here in my profile. This is why your profile, you know, your performance evaluation, essentially, your annual review is not quite what you may have thought it was going to be. 
Now, here's how you can improve. Do you understand? Do you have questions for me? Most people don't want to do that. Most people have an aversion to delivering bad news face-to-face. Everybody loves to deliver good news. Everyone likes to be that guy that's like, hey, I got good news for you. (laughs) I saved 10% on my car insurance. Nobody wants to deliver the bad news. Um, So good work, Father, so far. Very much enjoying this. By the way, I'm reading this for the first time because I want to react to it with you guys. I just knew it was going to be good because I knew the source, or I thought I knew the source. Quote, we should consider, too, how hard it is to convey emotion and tone in an email and the attempts to do so with chat speak like LOL or those irritating emoticons like wrinkling smiley faces do nothing to alleviate this problem. The loss of face-to-face time can easily result in the shy person coming off as cold and the succinct people coming off as rude, like in one-word replies. But if you see someone in person... Now you have an indication that they might be tired or sick or happy or stressed out. And seeing these in the face of another will greatly influence how we craft our responses to him and at the same time influence what emails may have to be sent as follow-up. Take a look for a moment at the collective advice of good business practices. On reading some of these on the internet, I found a number of things repeated in different ways. Number one, regular personal encounters help ward off discouragement, depression, and many of the side effects of these. Happiness can be contagious, but only when we are in close proximity to another and can see his face. God made us to be part of a tribe, part of a society. As Father's already said, two feet is our normal social distancing. Six feet is socialist distancing. That's my commentary, not father's. Number two, they recommend lunches, dinners, and events with not only business associates, but also with relatives and friends. Number three, they recommend play in short, camping, trips, fishing, exercise, cards, concerts, sporting events, art shows, and whatnot. And these especially if one telecommutes for work. It is notable that these activities are called by some business experts as, quote, FaceTime. Have you heard this before? I need to have some FaceTime. I got to put in some FaceTime, guys. I've, I've, I've been away from the office. I've been AFK. Need to put in some good, solid FaceTime. All right, com- continuing. Let us now turn to art. Is there any other ob- object in human art as important as the face? We should not be too surprised at this given the amount of time and energy and money poured into the human face. Cosmetics, the colorization of hair, the cutting of hair to accentuate the face or complement it, and the style and the cutting of all figures into the perceptions of attractiveness. I suppose we could even say that the contemporary attracts to cover up or obscure the face with multiple piercings and tattoos testified in their own way to the importance of the face. I've read that the hardest part of the body to paint is the human hand. And that if you want to quickly identify bad art, see if the hands are hidden. But no painting is worth the canvas if it ignores the face. Painting recognizes that all human faces are unique and contribute greatly to individual identity. Moreover, the face is one of the most fundamental parts of the body for self-recognition. 
vision, hearing, olfaction, eating, breathing, primary functions of the face. When a toddler or young child falls down, they often look up to see their mother or father for their reaction. If the parent has an anxious or frightened expression, this contributes greatly to the child's perception of pain. But if the parent remains calm, cool, and recollected, such that the child receives the information of, it's just a scratch, you'll be fine, then chances are the child will remain calm. This same rule holds in painting. Art in and of itself is subject on many levels, but nonetheless, we react to the painting based on the image the artist reveals to us, especially regarding clear and strong facial expressions. This may be seen in any good painting, whether it portrays the subject in a good or bad light, so to speak. For the latter, bad light, we need only look at the great master portions of the 16th century Hans Holbein. He paints St. Thomas More and Thomas Cromwell sitting in front of the fire across from one another. And one critic, Waldemar Januszak, once labeled Cromwell as the least attractive sitter in the whole of Holbein's art. Even Hilary Mantel, the authoress who wrote Wolf Hall, the extensive and mendacious libel of St. Moore, admitted that Holbein's Cromwell is an incredibly dead picture. I might have to put a link to that picture in the show notes so we can all see what Father's talking about here. One more paragraph. In the next insert, I want to go into more spiritual reasons why the human face is so important. Oh, good. There's going to be a part three. I'm so excited. This is part two. I did part one already. It's in this playlist. Suffice it to say right now, I regard the universal wearing of face masks to be an unmitigated disaster for human society and for the human soul. Wow. I was not expecting Father to actually say that, to actually drive the point home and direct your attention to face masks. Of course, that's what we're talking about. Of course, when we talk about the magnificence and splendor of the human face, we're talking about the fact that the Fauci's don't want you to show your face to anybody. We're talking about the fact that you cannot contextualize human interactions because your expressions are withheld. There is a physical barrier now that you are placing in front of your face so that people cannot see what you're really thinking, what you're really plotting, what you're really dreaming, what you're hoping, what you're worried about. Um, God bless this particular fraternity priest for putting these out. I just want, I, you know, I want to read the last sentence one more time just in case it, it's not clear. I regard the universal wearing of face masks to be an unmitigated disaster for human society and for the human soul. Now, it sounds like in part three, Father's going to tell us why it's bad for the soul, why it's a disaster for the soul. I think he's painted in, the, in part one and part two why it's a disaster for human society. It prevents us from connecting, from having real interaction. Why is it bad for the soul? Well, I hope that we can find out in part three, and I hope that these continue to come out. God bless you. Thanks for paying attention to this, and uh, please do give this video a like and a share so that other people can see what this anonymous fraternity of St. Peter Priest is saying about the face muzzle.
calls it an unmitigated disaster for human society and the soul, and I couldn't agree more. God bless you.